on your part. All right, here we go. Welcome to the On Track and Field podcast. I'm your host, JT Ayers. Track and field, it's a great sport. Some would say the greatest sport. And so for it to be the greatest sport, you need to have good equipment, the right equipment. Give the kids the opportunity to succeed at the best, highest, coolest, everything you need to do. OnTrackandField.com has what you need. Go to OnTrackandField.com. Just check out that website. You're going to see that this website has all the equipment, all the things to support you as a coach. I'm a head coach. I go there. I get the support I need. And my kids, they excel mostly because of the coaching, but also because of the equipment. So ontrackandfield.com is a great place for you to go. Next stop shop for you. Make it a homepage favorite on your bookmark, all that stuff. Ontrackandfield.com. With me right now is a dear friend of mine, but that's not why he's on this podcast. Coach Brian Weaver is a California coaching legend. And I'm not just saying that. That's according to MileSplit, a reputable online entity in the United States. His girls team is currently ranked number one in the nation for cross country. You heard that, right? Let's go California. California coach of the year in 2019. Again, that was not his first. That wasn't even his second. That wasn't even his third. It's ridiculous how many accolades this guy has. I even asked him. Coach, how many accolades do you have? He's like, I don't know. I can't count that high. He didn't say that. I added that part. His girls track team in 2022 was ranked number one best dual meet team in the nation. Ryan is also the meet director for the California Track and Field State Championships. Yeah, he does it all. Coach Weaver, thank you for joining me. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Well, let's get right into it. Coaching, you coach both the guys and the girls. And I know your guys' team is good, but your girls' team is ridiculous. And you guys, correct me if I'm wrong, did you you placed fourth last year at nationals? Uh, well, we finished uh, second at the um, Garmin um, National Championship in Huntsville, Alabama. Okay. So, so you regroup, that, that, come back. Now you're yeah. number one. How, so what what is going on, man? I mean, how... How are you doing this? Tell us the secrets. Um, you have amazing athletes and tremendous, tremendous support in your assistant coaches and community. That, that's how it happens. So you coach in Clovis, and Clovis is a very interesting part of the country. And why I say it's interesting is not just because it's super hot and it smells like cows, but what's interesting about Clovis is the way the school systems are kind of set up. I mean, you're junior high. To the high school you coach at is, is like right next door. The elementary school is right next door. And so I have witnessed almost like a Texas style culture where these kids in first grade are excited to go to Buchanan high school. These kids in first grade are going through and excited to be at Clovis West, Clovis high Clovis North. There's not a lot of variation in the naming over there. So what is it about these kids that get excited about running for you and Buchanan from elementary school, maybe even middle school into now. I mean, it, are these kids doing anything in middle school? Are they looking forward to being on the team their freshman year? Yeah, I, I think Clovis Unified is very, very unique in the way they do things. So Clovis Unified is set up that um, when you start elementary school, you know the path that you're going to go for the middle school for seventh and eighth grade and the high school. So it's a very direct path. They, they know that as soon as they go to kindergarten, where they're going to go end up their high school career um, and, and their studies to where 
in Clovis Unified, they have the gamut of all sports in elementary school competing against the other elementary schools. So I believe there's 27 elementary schools. Um, you compete in your area, then you go to a district championship. Uh, we have a district championship where they compete a mile uh, for the fourth graders and the fifth and sixth graders. So they start um, sports in elementary school. So it is just an introduction, developing, very, very short seasons, um, maybe six weeks long total. Um, so finishing with the district championship. So that does help, um, but it also kind of gives a little bit of idea sometimes that the kids that are the top kids at that level, that they're going to be the best, which isn't always true on our team. Um, right. Currently we have one kid that was the best in Clovis unified, um, when they were in elementary school. Um, and then they go off to the junior high and the junior high, we have a huge relationship with them and, uh, their head coach who works with our kids all summer. He travels with us when we go out of, out of town and he was a former athlete that ran at Buchanan high school. So, um, the great connection as far as being one complete program, but they, they don't train with us during the, um, the school year, um, a little bit during the summer though. Oh, I like that. I mean, it's really, you're talking about a culture that you guys are jumping into. And I know you've been in the area a very, very long time. Um, in fact, grew up, went to Fresno state. And so this is like your community. So I have little kids. I have a seventh grade boy and he's interested in running do I need to get my distance runner to this little this seventh grader, 13 year old? Do I need to get him out and running before he gets to high school? What does that look like? And I'm not talking about mileage. I'm just talking about aerobic fitness. Well, I, I think anytime a kid is out being active is a huge, huge part of just the overall growth. Um, I think youth soccer is a great sport because if they're running around, they're constantly moving. I think that's absolutely tremendous. Um, so I, I think that that's really what you want to do with kids is just get them moving. I mean, throw a ball, go play Frisbee, ride bikes. Um, I think that's where the success comes from. Um, you don't have to go and, you know, have these crazy high miles, at even middle school, um, and do all these crazy things in our middle school. Uh, my daughter is an eighth grader there right now. And she's she's lucky well i don't think she's gone on a four mile run yet this school year it's been so hot for one and and she's one of their one of the better eighth graders on the team so and her mileage is way way down you know and she's a potential girl next next year as a freshman she might be able to make the varsity team but time will tell i've interviewed a few distance professional distance runners on this podcast. And one thing they said that was very in common was the amount of mileage they did in high school was actually fairly low from what you hear. I also know you care about those things. Do I need to have high mileage for my kids to be successful? Absolutely not. Um, high mileage. Yes, it does make you good. It does make you strong, but it kind of taps you out. Um, there's only a few kids that can do that and then go on to the next level in college and have, 
and have success because th there's not a lot of growth they can have. Um, our philosophy is shorter mileage, but we run a little quicker. Um, so, you know, our top boys, it's not really that hard, but they'll, they'll, go, they'll go eight, um, you know, on a, on a distance day right now during the school year. Um, during the summer, um, they'll, they'll get up there. They'll get up to 14, but they, they don't need to go farther than that. Um, and we have the issue of the heat. So running in the afternoon when it's 100 degrees, eight miles is more than far enough. Um, to get a lot of to get a lot out of you. In fact, we'd even back off. We'd probably go to six if it was a hundred. Um, and then, you know, when are they going to rest? When are they going to do school? You know, are they that exhausted? Um, a lot of distance runners are high academic kids. You know, are they just so in tune that that's the only thing they do? I believe in the whole high school experience. Go to a football game. You know, go to dances. Go to your friend's house. You know, you got to be a kid at some point. Well, then maybe that explains why your kids don't burn out. Maybe that explains why, from what I see from an outsider perspective, your kids from early season are successful and they continue to get better. And then you're traveling to Alabama and they're still running very, very good. Maybe because that's a kid that isn't burnt out. So I guess another question, and I thought about this while you were talking is, what are some of the differences between coaching boys cross country and girls cross country because you got both yeah it's um it, it it's it's challenging at times with the fact that the dynamics sometimes are a little bit off um but we when we train we work in groups based off of their ability basically how how well they race and their their times and races so we do have guys and girls together. So that is a good thing for each of them. Um, and it's usually the younger guys are with some of the older girls. Um, so they're learning from the older girls and the girls, you know, are challenged by those guys is because the guys are going to get a little stronger. Um, we do the same workouts. Um, our guys mileage is a little bit more than our girls. Um, not much. Um, our, my girls, are right about seven on a distance day right now. Our guys are at eight. Um, it, and we do some, some a little bit faster stuff after our runs. The biggest difference I would say as far as training is the postseason. I believe girls' mileage needs to stay up a little bit more than guys does when you get toward our, towards that sharpening part of the season. Um, and I want to say girls got to out of shape faster, but we've found that um, cutting back the girls, um, they have a tendency not to perform as well as the guys do. So we try to keep them up a little bit higher um, than the guys do. Same thing in track and field? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Exact same thing in track and field. Their volume will be the same. Like we did 8,000 meters on the track today. They both did the exact same thing. Um, no, no, very, very they're only their paces were different. So you can train them the same. Um, you just have to watch the intensity level, I think is the biggest thing um, with the boys and the girls. Well, so how do you keep the team healthy all year? Oh, that's coaches have to coach that. Um, you, as a coach, you have to teach them, instruct them about a, a healthy lifestyle. 
um, Louis, um, that who's now the coach up at um, Oregon State, um, he talked about living the lifestyle of a runner. And we use that. Um, and it's more than just being able to go and practice. It is the nutrition, which is huge, eating, eating properly, hydration, um, sleep is tremendous that is something that i think with these high academic kids that is not stressed enough um is the amount of sleep necessary for the body to repair itself um and then you know we really have to watch our kids we we do suggest we don't it's not mandatory but we talk to the kids about their ferritin levels which is their energy stores um and getting that tested um and that has really really helped our girls i believe um because a lot of them had low ferritin levels and they got on a plan of, um, of an iron supplement. Um, and it's really helped, I think, elevate our program with our girls. And it's, it's really saved some of our boys. We had some boys who were really, really low too. Is that same thing for sprinters? Ferritin levels? um, Yes, it can definitely be. Um, I think it comes out a little bit more in distance running because of the length of what they do. But I believe that, that with the diet and that is out there right now and the sleeping that's out there with these kids and the distraction, I think all athletes should go and see what their ferritin levels are. Um, I would imagine they're usually a little bit lower in females, but I would imagine that soccer teams and basketball teams um, would definitely benefit by getting their iron levels checked. And we've had our sprinter girls get checked and they were low. I have a girl, um, that was struggling last year. That was a 400 meter girl and, um, her ferritin level was extremely, extremely low. And once it got up to where it was decent, uh, she started performing level, she performing better. So I think it is important to go and get something checked. It's not, it's not going to hurt you to have it done. So keeping up with all these things that have to do with recovery, you touched on them real briefly, nutrition, hydration, sleep. How do you teach these kids that want to be on TikTok and Snapchat until 2 a.m.? How do you, what do you do as a coach to help them sleep better, eat better, drink better? What do you tell them? Um, well, it, it's a, it is communication flat out. And we're, we're a little harsh. Um, some people would think we're harsh. Um, you cannot, we never run with our phones. We never allow the kid to run, run with headphones in cross country. We don't allow them to even travel, uh, with headphones in or be on their phones in the vans or the buses. We want them interacting with each other. We don't want them isolated. Um, because then their mind starts to focus on that. And then when you're traveling, you want to focus on. Why, why are you traveling? You're traveling to go out there and compete. And so I think the phones really, and the headphones, it isolates them so much that they just withdraw and they're not preparing themselves for the task at hand. These are young adults, you know, and there's a lot of stresses out there. And I think that when you get too many things going on, they have a hard time handling that. Well, and also they're communicating with one another. They're building rapport. They're building a culture. That's yeah. I'm right. By the way, there's a delay in every time I ask a question because I'm writing stuff down. So that's <laughs> a problem with trying to do a podcast with you. Um, yeah. You talked about travel. That's, that's a very interesting question because how do you get kids to travel 
and compete at a high level when they're not sleeping in their own bed. They're not eating the food they usually eat. They're not saying hi to their moms and dads or boyfriends, girlfriends or whatever. What have you found is some of those successful ways to, or maybe even just things that you do to get your team ready while you're traveling to Alabama or nationals or I, I mean, you don't have to travel for state. Yeah. I think that you, 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 at some point you do have to have overnight trips. I think that that is something that um, it does need to happen. Um, and I think that again, talking with the athletes about um, what the course is going to be like, or the, what the stadium looks like and, um, you know, planning a couple of rest stops to get out of the van. If you're in a van or, you know, in your airport, we're going to have this much time. I want you guys to walk around. Um, I think that that aspect is, is really important. Um, you know, and, and I think just the whole communication from the coach, what it's going to be like. And a lot of things that, that I've noticed being the director of the state track meet is coaches start to hover. If you weren't doing it all season, why are you doing it now? You're just making them nervous. Um, you know, being the, being the meet director and having kids qualify for the state track meet, I, I don't see them very much. I, I mean, I may go find them and say hi, but they know what to do. And the same thing goes for cross country. Um, I helped uh, Dustin Marzoff and Clovis East with the state cross country meet. And I tell our kids what time to be there. I go over there. I see them hang out, talk for a little bit. Then I go and I help run the meet. They don't need me. They, I'm the last thing that they need um, to go and, and make them nervous. Um, Cause I think that coaches, you know, their excitement and their desire to be successful can actually stress the kids out. And I'm finding more and more is the little stresses that are causing more problems with my athletes right now um, than anything that we've had in a while. Um, had a girl that had a little Achilles problem and she was really concerned that she wasn't going to be able to train as well. And uh, we held her out of a race um, because of it. And it, it stressed her out and she got sick. She's sick. She's sick right now. And she admits, she goes, I was stressing um, too much. I sh and she admitted, I should have came and talked to you um, to get the reassurance. And she said, I need to listen more to what you're saying that, and come to you with these things and how you can help me, you know, get through these things. You know, as coaches, I, I think we're not only coaches, you know, we're psychologists and, you know, we're not their parents, but we give them parent advice, you know, about life and how to handle things. I think that that's the gamut of the coaching that we really have to go and be working on. Wow. Well, again, there's a pause because I'm typing things down and now I'm rethinking about all the ways that I have stressed my kids out because let's be honest, I'm stressed out. So let me go be with the kids <laughs> and help them not be as stressed as I am, which would probably do the exact opposite. So what are, this is a very weighted question and we'll end with this. You've been coaching a while and you've been successful for a while. What's the biggest difference between kids 20 years ago and kids now? Um, wow, that's, that's a really good question. You know, the easiest answer was, oh, social media. Eh. Everybody can blame social media on everything. Um, the, the girls are different, for one. Girls are absolutely different. 
um, a girl breaking 20 minutes at the state championship course in California used to be like pretty dang good. That's nothing anymore. I mean, it's still a great milestone for a lot of girls. Girls have gotten better. Um, so that's a little, that's different. Um, you know, 20 years ago, I think shoes are a little bit better now. Um, I think probably one of the hardest things that to deal with is um, that the whole getting a college scholarship has totally changed. I think the kids really just want that. I got this scholarship, not that I get that, that chance to go and compete at the next level. They're just trying to get the recognition of I got a scholarship, not that I'm getting a scholarship to be able to go on and make my life a little bit easier and I still get to do something that I love. I think that's probably one of the biggest things. Um, my, my school that I coach at is very, very competitive athletically um, in all sports. And last year we had 34 kids sign scholarships to go on to the four-year level at our school, which is astronomical. I would probably say there's already 10 back home. Oh, wow. Yeah. And it, because you have to have passion about what you're doing. You have to have that desire to continue on. And I think that's a big thing that these kids, for whatever reason, aren't understanding. They think that if they don't get a scholarship, that they're not successful. You know, I, I think I've had a tremendous life. Um, I, I thought I had a tremendous running career. I think I've had a tremendous, you know, teaching and coaching career. I wasn't a scholarship kid out of high school. I went to junior college and I just, I just wanted to run. I just wanted to go on and compete. And I was very fortunate to finish at a four year school and being able to run. So that passion, I think the last 20 years has kind of changed. So I, this, I just want to be able to say, I got this instead of I'm getting this to continue on. I think that's the biggest thing. So when you see kids sign a soccer, soccer is always the one I like to pick on, but they sign at some school you never heard of in the middle of nowhere, South Dakota, just because they can say, I got a scholarship. Um, That's unfortunate. Yeah, it is. And it's, and I think that, and I hate to say it, the club coaches are not, they always tell these kids, you should get this, you should get this, you should get this. When in reality, sometimes are you saying it because you're getting paid? I had a track athlete that was going to a private trainer and the private trainer is telling me the kid's going to jump 50 feet. Well, the kid's PR was 36. <laughs> he, he, it was not going to happen. And it's nothing against the kid. He worked really hard. That improvement, it just wasn't there. It was like he was boosting his ego to make him feel better about himself. But then when he started competing, it caused a lot of animosity sure. because he said, I should be doing this and it's your coaching. It's just like, no, no. I mean, you, you run, you know, an 11, 800 meter. You're, you know, you long jump 17 feet. You're, I, it's kind of like, I didn't know what to tell the kid. You, you don't want to hurt their feelings, but. The reality and 
I think there's just so many people that are in coaching as a paycheck, which as a public high school coach, you and I are not in it for the paycheck. Well, that's for sure. (laughs) Right. And I think that they're just telling these kids that, oh, you're going to, you should get this, you should get this, you should get this. And it's just like, uh uh-uh, it doesn't happen like that. You know, it's the one percenters that get to go on. Mm-hmm. You know, so. Well, we like to take clips from every podcast and just throw it out there and say, hey, check it out. Here's a quick little teaser. And Steve, our CEO of OnTrackAndField.com and RelayBatons.com, he produces it and does that. I don't know how he's going to find a clip from this because there's like 10 that are good. Brian, you <laughs> gave us so much wisdom. I, I already wrote down tons of notes. <laughs> Thank you for doing this. You are a dear friend of mine, and but that's neither here nor there because on a podcast, who cares, right? But here's the thing. Your team's great. Your team's always been great, and you're going to continue to coach them to great success. So we wish you all the luck and all the blessings that come with how very long I catch you right in the middle of a grinding <laughs> middle of the part <laughs> of the season. Um, what do you hope for for this season besides your kids just running great? I mean, What's on the horizon? Where can we now, after we drop this podcast, look for what Buchanan High School is doing, especially the girls team? Um, you know, our, our next big meet will be uh, the Clovis um, Invitational, which is um, October 8th, and that's on the state championship course. Um, and then from there, uh, we, we run some, some good meets. We go up to Sacramento. We go to Kingsburg for a local race. And then probably when we get towards um, the masters and the state meet, um, we kind of, I have some freshmen, sophomores, and I still let them run down. Even though they're varsity kids, why not run a two mile instead of a three mile? You know, why not try to win this race where you're going to have to absolutely kill yourself in this race? You know, it, you always want to remember how to win. And I think that that is something that we do to continue to emphasize the factor that, hey, you get to win. We have some seniors that are really, really hard to beat, but our freshmen and sophomores are good. You know, they, it's nice to win a race once in a while. So, um, I, you know, I, I, you know, we're our full game, our, our, you know, we got to get healthy. <laughs> um, but yeah, the Clovis invite, I think, is, will be the next big thing that we're probably going to look at. Um, and, you know, try to go after and, you know, we, we have our team goals that we're trying to do. Um, and hopefully, you know, that will really start coming out, um, at that meet. Okay. You always want to remember how to win. Okay. Okay. My next <laughs> tattoo. Jeez Louise. That's fantastic. <laughs> Coach Weaver. Thank you for joining me on the podcast. Um, again, just to reiterate something I said earlier, it's this podcast is brought to you by ontrackandfield.com and RelayBatons.com, which Brian and I actually have been recipients of that business. And they're fantastic. And as a gift, RelayBatons.com is going to send Coach Weaver a gift just for saying thanks for coming on the podcast. And you can walk around that travel mug that says on track and field, and you can tell your friends and neighbors, and everyone will be so impressed. So (laughs) on track and field is a place you need to go. And um, they sponsor this podcast and they produce it. So Steve, you and your beautiful triceps go close us out and tell us how to get in contact with you more about on track and field and really batons.com. 
Thanks to our guest, Coach Brian Weaver, and to our host, Coach JT Ayers. The On Track and Field podcast is powered by RelayBatons.com. Custom engraved meet and competition legal relay batons. Ideal for team branding, coaches' gifts, and promposals. And check out our custom engraved Arctic water bottles and tumblers. Ideal for staying hydrated and showing off your team pride. And by OnTrackAndField.com, your one-stop source for all things track and field and cross-country related. Whether you're an athletic director, coach, parent, or athlete, We have everything you need for a successful cross-country and track season. And make sure to follow us on our socials at OnTrack, the letter N, field, at OnTrack and Field on Twitter and the Gram.